All right, so um, we're in this series where we're looking at questions that you guys kind of wrote down, you guys submitted, and looking at the biblical answer to these questions. And um, it, you probably can guess what tonight's question is from that video, uh, but tonight's question comes from hearing a statement that is thrown around a lot, and it's usually done with little to no context around it. And I'll be the first to admit, and I think you guys hopefully know this about me, that I'm the first person to admit whenever I do something wrong or if I ask you guys to do something, I'll be like, hey, don't feel bad. I don't do that either. Or You guys know. I mean, you guys hear me say that all the time. <clears throat> but I'll be the first to admit that I throw this phrase around, this idea around a lot without much context. And in fact... Whenever I was reading these cards with all your questions on it, I hit this question and I felt really convicted by it because to me it felt like that I was not doing an adequate job of maybe explaining all the things that I say whenever I teach um, and you know answering the questions that can come off of them because I feel like this particular statement is something I've said multiple times in the recent past. And the question that came from one of you guys, are, why are all sins equal? I felt was in direct response to me saying the phrase, all sins are equal. And so I, I feel like tonight... We need to really look at all the angles, all the explanations, or maybe lack thereof, um, of this idea. And so the first thing I want to do is I'm going to ask you guys to make a statement, okay? And I want you guys to decide first, and then I want you to commit, okay? Don't look around. There's no right or wrong, because we're going to talk about both sides of this, okay? There's no right or wrong here, so pick a side and just commit to it, okay? So I'm going to ask you... Do you feel that all sins are equal or do you feel that not all sins are equal? And I'll ask you to raise your hand for each one. Okay, so decide right now. Do you feel that all sins are equal or not? Okay, so here we go. Raise your hand if you believe that all sins are equal. Okay, so a little over half of you guys. Okay, now raise your hand if you think that not all sins are equal. Okay, so a little under half. So that was pretty close to split. A few more of you guys feel that all sins are equal. Now, I, I think of those of you who sit here and say all sins are equal. That was pretty bold considering if you didn't know who that was, that was Sean McDowell. And he's a great apologetics teacher. Um, if you don't know who he is, you should totally look him up. Great guy. I've heard him speak a few times. But considering that Sean just sat up there and said... Not all sins are equal. And then you're like, yes, all sins are equal. I do not believe Sean McDowell. Um, that, that was pretty bold of you. But we're going to talk about both sides of this. And, and I think the reason that a lot of you raised your hand for that is because you've heard me say before that all sins are equal. And so we're going to really explain why I say that um, and why I feel comfortable saying that when in some regards that may not be fully true. So I think the first thing we have to understand before we really look at this idea of all sins being equal is what is sin, okay? And I think that sin is one of those ideas that's a Christian teaching point that we talk about all the time, but no one ever goes back and really explains what sin is, 
right? We all know that sin is like the bad thing. And I don't know, when I hear the word sin, I picture the color black. Like, okay, like, I, because it, you, I think of it as like darkness and, and, and like, you know, we, we think of God as light and, and things like that. And so I don't know why, but, but in my, and um, if you guys have ever done those, like those rainbow bracelets, you know, where you get the beads and they make the color, the one that represents your sin is the black bead. I, I think that's, it's like from early childhood that was burned into my brain. You know, that like, oh, on the, on the rainbow little path to salvation thing, the color black is your sin, you know, but um, I, you know, when we hear sin, I'm sure we have a lot of different thoughts. Um, how many of you guys like the Marvel movies? You know, you know the one with, uh, it's Thor the Dark World, and they have the ether, and the ether's like that weird, like, black and reddish mob. That's what I picture sin as, really, kind of, if you can... Okay, that was totally a sidebar, but that's kind of like I picture it like this thing that comes in and takes you over. Like, it, it's perfect. It's a per- Like, Marvel, like, literally put that on a platter for it. But anyway... So I want to talk tonight to start out to really understand before we can look at this idea of are all sins equal, we have to first understand what sin is. And so I started looking um, for what sin was, you know, and I, and I mean, that's a weird thing to Google. What is sin? Like, okay. And um, I found an article with an interview with Billy Graham. And if you don't know who Billy Graham was, you should, but he was a great evangelist um, who, who traveled the country, traveled the world, preaching the gospel. And inevitably, every time he would, he would fill up like arenas and it was like a concert. Like, I mean, he, he did it big. And every time he would do that, just lots and lots of people came to faith in Christ because of his teaching. So if you don't know who Billy Graham is, kind of a big deal. He, he passed away like two or three years ago. He was like 90 100 years old or something. No, he was like, I think he was either 100 or 99, something like that. But anyway, so Billy Graham once said, and and this was an article where someone was asking him about sins being equal. I was reading it and I loved the answer he gave when they said, what is sin? He said, any thought or action that falls short of God's will, any thought or action that falls short of God's will. And he goes on to say, God is perfect And anything that we do that falls short of his perfection is sin. And the more I read that, the more the reality set in that this is a brutal definition. Like if we really break this down, it's brutal because as Christians, I would hope that each and every one of you in here is striving for or trying to find God's will for your life. That's a hot word that we'll use. Like, what is God's will for my life? And, and this is telling us right here that not only are we not fulfilling God's will for our life, we never can. God's will for us is perfection, according to this definition. And, and I think when we look at it, that's true because we look at how God created humans. He created Adam and Eve in perfection. His will for them, his desire for them was that they lived in perfection. God desires for us, each individual person, to be perfect in the same way that he is perfect. And any and all the things that we do that make us imperfect people is in direct defiance to who God created you to be. And every time we sin, we pile on and we add on to this ever-growing debt that we have to God. Right, Every time that we, what, what was the definition he said? Anytime we have a thought or an action, we 
lump on to the debt that we have to God because we are falling short of his standard and his desire for us. And this debt that we have to him is something that we are completely incapable of paying off. And and I think about if you went into a, a store and you were looking around at something and you like broke something. Okay. Like you knocked something off the shelf. You broke something. Okay. You now owe a debt to that store, right? You broke something that was theirs and, and you owe them. Let's say that it costs $10. Okay. You can go out and make $10. You can reach in your pocket, get talent. You can pay off that debt. Right? That's a very easy concept for us to understand. You break something, you atone for it by whatever means necessary. When we sin against God, this death that's created is something that is immeasurable by human standards. It's something that as humans, we can never atone for because it is a God-sized debt and we are mere humans. And this is why the, the, the idea and the, the theological importance of who Jesus is, is, is not only revolutionary to mankind, but also essential because now we have a means of canceling that debt. We look at it, and if you want to turn in your Bibles, this is where we're going to kind of look tonight, but we're going to be in Colossians 2. And so if you want to turn to Colossians 2, please do with me. But I'm going to read you verse 14 as we kind of dive into this. But Colossians 2.14 tells us that he is in Jesus canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness that stood against us and condemned us. Jesus canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness that stood against us and condemned us. Guys, you don't realize this, but the debt that you create to God every time you sin is something that you can never pay, that you can never own up to, that you can never measure up to. And Jesus, he canceled our legal indebtedness that condemned us. And we're going to get more into this verse later. So if, you, if you're there, stay there. I'll, I'll talk about some other verses as we move through this, but we'll, we'll end up back there. But now we have a working idea of what sin is, right? It's a thought or an action that separates us from God's will for our life, which is to be in perfect unison with him in his perfection. Sin is like, this is like the layman's term. Okay. I could have skipped all that and said, sin's the bad stuff we do think and say. Okay. Sin is the bad stuff we do think and say. And all this bad stuff is what separates us from God and his will for our life. So we can see from this how this concept of sin and focusing on our sin and 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 dwelling and and just constantly just cycling through and thinking about all the areas where we fail God and all the things we do wrong and how we're never going to measure up to God's perfect standard. All thinking on this and focusing on this can truly leave us in a dark place. Right? Like if I just sat around my whole life and thought about how I was not good enough. That's not a good headspace to be in, right? And I'm sure that some of you guys in here may struggle with that feeling of never feeling like you're good enough. And I'm sure you can stand up here as a testament to all of us and tell us how damaging that is to your own mental health. And so to sit here and to focus on this concept of sin is something that is not healthy for us. And that's, I think, why we don't do it. 
It's easier for us to just ignore it or just pretend like it's not happening than to sit and dwell on it. But reality is we have to dwell on it because it's part of who we are. The Bible says all have sinned. That means that we all are people who are indebted to God in a way that cannot be paid by ourselves. And that is a scary, scary thought. So let's move out of that for a second, okay? Let, let, let's leave that there. Let's shelve that. Like, we, okay, we were in a bad place just then. We were in a dark place that we can't get out. We're going to take that and we're going to put it on the shelf and let's pretend like we're not thinking about that for a second, okay? So now let's, let's focus on whether or not these sins that we were just talking about, whether each and every one of them, I said it's any bad thing we think, do, or say, right? So we can think, do, or say a lot of bad things. We could come up with a list that would literally be never-ending, okay? So let's, let's think about now, about whether or not each and every one of these sins is equal. So we frequently hear this sentiment that all sins are equal, and if you frequently hear it, it's probably because I'm frequently saying it. Again, I'll admit, I probably should provide a little more context when I say things like that. But this doesn't seem to make sense to us, right? And that's what Sean McDowell was saying, is he was like, I, and I've always said this to you guys, I would literally rather have someone lie to me than shoot me, right? To mur- like to murder me. I'd rather have someone lie to me than murder me. So as humans, we have to, we, we know that there's a difference, right? We, we can see and feel and know the difference. So this question is not whether or not there's differences. It's whether or not God views sins as greater than other sins. Okay, so this is more of a from God perspective than it is from our perspective. <clears throat> and we could all understand, obviously, that as humans, um, there's, there are greater sins than other. But what does God say about this? How does God view our sins? And we look through the Old Testament. And, and if you don't know much about the Old Testament, there are a lot of books of the law where, where God is literally telling the Israelite people that this is the law. Excuse me, this is the law. So he's essentially like writing their constitution, okay, in a way. He's saying, these are the rules that you should abide by. And we look through these laws that are from God himself, and we see many different punishments for different crimes or sins. And we see a great variance in the severity of these punishments from simply having to pay restitution uh, for, for something that you did wrong uh, to losing a hand. Maybe if you're, if you're a thief or if you uh, do something inappropriate with your hand or maybe more severely to lose your life. If you do things like kill another, then you are to be paid with your life. And additionally to God setting different structures for different punishments of different crimes, we see in Matthew eleven twenty three through 24, and this is what Sean was talking about that video, Jesus casting down greater condemnation on the day of judgment for, for the city, the, the community of Copernicum, rather than Sodom, because Copernicum's unbelief and refusal to repent was greater than Sodom. And I sit here and I wonder, you know, and he went on to talk about that many people claim that they believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but very few actually believe it. And it made me wonder how many people in our youth group, in our church, in our society claim that they know who Jesus is, 
but they don't actually believe that he is who he says he is. We'll come back to that again later. And we see, we see that Jesus says, okay, so this group's going to be punished greater than this group, which would then make you think that this group did something worse, right? Or, or that what they were doing was worse. And then he doubles down on these comments in Luke 12, uh, 47 through 48, where, and he's teaching a parable here. And he says that his, essentially what he's saying here is that in his second coming, there would be some that would be beaten with many blows and other that would be beaten with fewer blows. Essentially, again, meaning that there is a structure in how much punishment will be cast down depending on how bad someone's, so how, how level of bad they are. <clears throat> and again, we see um, in Matthew 23 where Jesus tells the hypocritical religious teachers that their punishment would be greater. And this is again where he's talking about that they, they say they believe, but they don't really believe. They're hypocritical um, in their teaching. So looking at scripture, <clears throat> it doesn't seem to me that God spares any words in, in, in saying that all sin is equal. And, and just like the video said, it never explicitly says in scripture that all sins are equal. In fact, it kind of feels like God goes to lengths to tell us the opposite. That there are many levels to the severity of sin in our lives. So why then is there this conception that all sins are equal? Where does it come from? Why does it exist? And what does it mean for us as people seeking the face of God? Ultimately, this idea of all sin, uh, of equal sin, comes from knowing the ultimate result of the punishment of of sin. Sure, when we commit a sin in this world, we're punished by the world, right? Like if, if, I, if I commit a crime, I'm going to go to jail. And that is not a punishment from God, that's a punishment by man, right? Do we understand that? I go before a judge and a judge says you're guilty or a jury says I'm guilty and then I go to prison, right? That is a condemnation from man, and I think when we look at this, God understood that there needed to that, that humans needed structure, that humans needed this this, or that we could see this understanding of different levels of sin. And so He created a structure of sin that was hierarchy, right? Like that, I'd rather someone lie to me than murder me. He realized that humans needed that, and that's why He created that way. But ultimately. This idea of equal sin comes from knowing the ultimate result of a punishment for sin. So we have to ask, what is the true punishment for our sin? If you look at Romans 3, uh, verse 23, it says, The wages of sin is death. We all know this verse, I, I, I would think. It's a very, very popular verse. The wages of sin is death. And, and this isn't talking about a physical death penalty that someone's going to take your life. It's talking about a spiritual death penalty in which you lose your soul. And, and notice that there are no conditions to this line in Romans. It's not the wages of some sins is death or the wages of bad sins is death. It quite plainly says that sin equals death. We see a similar sentiment in James 2 verse 10. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty 
of breaking all of it. And all of a sudden, we see that there are no more levels of punishment. If you lie, you're just as guilty of breaking the law as if you murdered. And, and we heard him talk about that in the video. And this is because what we talked about at the beginning, that all sin, no matter how big or how small, results in our being separated from the God who created you and the God who loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, that should scare you guys more than you've ever been scared in your entire life because we are all guilty of a multitude of sins. I'm sure each and every one of us could sit in here and think back through our day, just today, just the last 12 to 16 hours that you've been awake and could think of multiple things that you have done that have been in contrary to the life that God desires for you. We are all people guilty of a multitude of sins. And, and let me put it to you another way that might help you uh, understand this. If I stand at the free throw line, okay, and I'm shooting a basketball goal, there's two results, right? What are the two results? I make it or I miss it. If someone was said, your life is at stake on this free throw, you have one free throw, and if you miss it, I'm going to take your life. Does it matter how much I miss the free throw by? If I miss the free throw, whether I shoot it one foot or 14 feet, as a free throw is 15 feet. So if I leave it 14 feet short or one foot short, it doesn't matter. My life is getting taken. Yes, not all sins are equal. However, the result of all sins is equal and that 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 is a total and complete eternal separation from God. So so what does that mean? What does that mean for each and every one of us? I told you guys we'd come back to Colossians 2 and I hope you kept that open cuz we're going to dive into Colossians 2 real quick. When we left there, we're going to take that sin and that darkness off the shelf real quick, okay? We're going to go back down to that dark place. Okay. Hey, everyone stay with me real quick. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to go back to this place where we were talking about living in our sin. We're, we're living in, in darkness that we're not good enough, realizing that we can understand that we can never atone for our sin to God in the way that we should. That's where we left when we were in Colossians two. <clears throat> so verse 13 says, while you were dead in your sins and in your sinful nature, right? That's where we are right now. We're dead in our sins. We're sitting here dwelling in, on our sins and focusing on all the horrible things that we do in our life that separate us from the plan of God. While you were dead in your sins and your sinful nature. And here's the shift, guys. Here is the hope that we have out of this verse. It says, God made you alive with Christ. He, as in Christ, Forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. God looked at each and every one of us in our darkness, in our lostness, in our sin, and he breathed life into us through Jesus. How does this happen? How does this happen? If we look in, in Colossians 2 there, it says, He again is Jesus 
took it away, took our indebtedness away and nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. I don't know if you guys know this is a very popular thing, but when a church or an organization pays off a debt, they have a ceremony called a note burning where where they burn like the, the, the letter saying that, oh, this property is co-owned by the bank. Right. And and so whenever I look at this of, of Jesus making a public spectacle, right, this is Jesus having a giant note burning ceremony where he stands before not just this world, but an eternal world that we can't a a spiritual world, something so much greater than we can understand. And he makes a big deal, a public spectacle of saying, I am triumphing over this indebtedness that humans have to God. I am triumphing over that. I'm nailing it to the cross that with my death and my resurrection, they will not no longer be indebted to God because of their sin. I want you guys to focus with me right here as I wrap this up, okay? So often I hear students say, and and, and, and adults too, not just students, but I hear people say all the time, you don't know my sin. You don't know how bad my sin is. God cannot forgive what I've done. God cannot forgive the, the, the severity of my sin. Let me tell you this right now. The biggest reason that you hear me and you hear others and this idea of all sin being equal exists is because all sins are only made equal in two ways. There's two ways that all sins are made equal. One, they eternally separate us from a God who created us, who loves us, and wants to spend eternity with us. Sins do that. Every single one of them do that. They are all equal in that they separate us from God. The other way, The other way that all sins are equal is there is no sin, not one, no sin that the blood of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and his triumph over it cannot handle. There are two ways that sins are equal. They separate us from God and Jesus has triumphed over them. All of them, every single one. Guys, when when it is said That all sins are equal. It means that we have death in our sin. But it also means that the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ.